Chapter Five of History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. History of Billy the Kid by Charles A. Seringo. Chapter Five. The murder of Sheriff Brady and his deputy Hindman by the Kid and his band. Billy the Kid and Jesse Evans meet as enemies and part as friends. On returning to Lincoln, Billy the Kid had many consultations with Lawyer McSween about the murder of Tunstall. It was agreed to never let up until all the murderers were in their graves. The Kid heard that one of Tunstall's murderers was seen around Dr. Blazer's sawmill near the Mescalero Apache Indian Reservation, on South Fork, about forty miles from Lincoln. He at once notified Officer Dick Brewer, who made up a posse to search for Roberts, an ex-soldier, a fine rider, and a dead shot. As the posse rode up to Blazer's sawmill from the east, Roberts came galloping up from the west. The kid put spurs to his horse, and made a dash at him. Both had pulled their Winchester rifles from the scabbards. Both men fired at the same time. Robert's bullet went whizzing past the kid's ear, while the one from Billy the Kid's rifle found lodgment in Robert's body. It was a death wound, but gave Robert's time to prove his bravery and fine marksmanship. He fell from his mount and found concealment in an outhouse, from where he fought his last battle. The posse men dismounted and found concealment behind the many large saw logs scattered over the ground. For a short time the battle raged, while the lifeblood was fast flowing from Robert's wound. One of his bullets struck Charlie Beaudry, giving him a serious wound. Another bullet cut off a finger from George Coe's hand. Still another went crashing through Dick Brewer's head as he peeped over a log to get a shot at Roberts. Brewer fell over dead. This was Roberts' last shot as he soon expired from the wound Billy the Kid had given him. A graveyard was now started on a round hill near the Blazer Sawmill, and in later years, Mr. and Mrs. George Nesbeth, a little girl and a strange man, who had died with their boots on, being foully murdered, were buried in this miniature Boot Hill Cemetery. Two of the participants in the battle at Blazer's Sawmill, Frank and George Coe, are still alive, being highly respected ranchmen on the Riodoso River, where both have raised large families. After the battle at Blazer's Mill, the co-brothers joined issues with Billy the Kid and fought other battles against the Murphy-Dolan faction. In one battle, Frank Coe was arrested and taken to the Lincoln jail. Through the aid of friends, he made his escape. Now that their lawful leader, Dick Brewer, was in his grave, the posse returned to Lincoln. Here they formed themselves into a band, without lawful authority, to avenge the murder of Tunstall, until not one was left alive. By common consent, 
Billy the Kid was appointed their leader. In Lincoln lived one of Billy the Kid's enemies, J.B. Matthews, known as Billy Matthews. While he had taken no part in the killing of Tunstall, he had openly expressed himself in favor of Jimmy Dolan and Murphy, and against the other faction. On the 28th day of March, Billy Matthews, unarmed, met the kid on the street by accident. Matthews started into a doorway just as the kid cut down on him with a rifle. The bullet shattered the door frame above his head. Major William Brady, a brave and honest man, was the sheriff of Lincoln County. He was partial to the Murphy-Dolan faction, and this offended the opposition. He held warrants for Billy the Kid and his associates for the killing of Morton, Baker, and Roberts. On the first day of April 1878, Sheriff Brady left the Murphy-Dolan store, accompanied by George Hindman and J.B. Matthews, to go to the courthouse and announce that no term of court would be held at the regular April term. The sheriff and his two companions carried rifles in their hands, as in those days every male citizen who had grown to manhood went well armed. The Tunstall and McSween store stood about midway between the Murphy-Dolan store and the courthouse. In the rear of the Tunstall-McSween store there was an adobe corral, the east side of which projected beyond the store building, and commanded a view of the street, over which the sheriff had to pass. On the top of this corral wall, Billy the Kid and his warriors had cut grooves in which to rest their rifles. As the sheriff and party came in sight, a volley was fired at them from the adobe fence. Brady and Hindman fell mortally wounded, and Matthews found shelter behind a house on the south side of the street. Ike Stockton, who afterwards became a killer of men and a bold desperado in northwestern New Mexico and southwestern Colorado, and who was killed in Durango, Colorado, at that time kept a saloon in Lincoln, and was a friend of the kids. He ran out of his saloon to the wounded officers. Hindman called for water. Stockton ran to the Bonita River nearby and brought him a drink in his hat. About this time, Billy the Kid leaped over the adobe wall and ran to the fallen officers. As he raised Sheriff Brady's rifle from the ground, J.B. Matthews fired at him from his hiding place. The ball shattered the stock of the sheriff's rifle and plowed a furrow through the kid's side, but it proved not to be a dangerous wound. Now Billy the Kid broke for shelter at the McSween home. Some say that he fired a parting shot into Sheriff Brady's head. Others dispute it. At any rate, both Brady and Hindman lay dead on the main street of Lincoln. This cold-blooded murder angered many citizens of Lincoln against the kid and his crowd. Now they became outlaws in every sense of the word. From now on, the kid and his warriors made their headquarters at McSween's residence, when not scouting over the country searching for enemies, who sanctioned the killing of Tunstall. 
Often this little band of warriors would ride through the streets of Lincoln to defy their enemies and be royally treated by their friends. Finally, George W. Pepin was appointed sheriff of the county, and he appointed a dozen or more deputies to help uphold the law. Still, bloodshed and anarchy continued throughout the county, as the kids' crowd were not idle. San Patricio, a Mexican plaza on the Riodoso River, about eight miles below Lincoln, was a favorite hangout for the kid and his warriors, as most of the natives there were their sympathizers. One morning before breakfast in San Patricio, Jose Miguel Cedillo brought the kid news that Jesse Evans and a crowd of Seven River warriors were prowling around the hills near the old Brewer Ranch, where a band of the Chisholm McSween horses were being kept. Thinking that their intentions were to steal these horses, the kid and party started without eating breakfast. In the party, besides the kid, were Charlie Beaudry, Henry Brown, J. G. Skurlock, John Middleton, and a young Texan by the name of Tall O'Falliard, who had lately joined the gang. On reaching the hills, the party split, the kid taking Henry Brown with him. Soon the kid heard shooting in the direction taken by the balance of his party. Putting spurs to his mount, he dashed up to Jesse Evans and four of his warriors, who had captured Charlie Beaudry, and was joking him about his leader, the kid. He remarked, "'We are hungry, and thought we would roast the kid for breakfast. We want to hear him bleat.' At that moment a horseman dashed up among them from an arroyo. With a smile, Charlie Beaudry said, pointing at the kid, "'There comes your breakfast, Jesse.' With drawn pistol, Old Gray was checked up in front of his former chum in crime, Jesse Evans. With a smile, Jesse remarked, "'Well, Billy, this is a hell of a way to introduce yourself to a private picnic party.' The kid replied, "'How are you, Jesse? It's a long time since we met.' Jesse said, "'I understand you are after the men who killed that Englishman. I nor none of my men were there.' "'I know you wasn't, Jesse,' replied the kid. "'If you had been, the ball would have been opened before now.' Soon the kid was joined by the rest of his party, and both bands separated in peace. End of chapter 5 Recording by Roger Moline